0: Your spot, and that's your place, and you just have to deal with it. Well, I think sometimes we tend to do the same thing in judgment of other people, and we do it to ourselves, even as adults. We have a tendency to evaluate people and keep them stuck in whatever place or whatever box it is that we have put them in, and we don't allow people to grow, and we don't allow people to change, and we don't allow them to have a new day and a fresh start We don't allow people to be developed. Have you ever had anyone do that to you? Have you ever had anybody put you in a box and declare these are the limitations for you? You can't step outside of it. It doesn't feel very good, does it? And then this terrible thing happens that when someone else puts us in a box like that, I think we often start to believe that those limitations are true of us. And then we confine ourselves to a box that might even be narrower than the box that they put us in. It's a tough way to live we think, I will never be more than I am right now. This is what I'm confined to. And this morning, I want to take some time for us together to be able to look at God's word and see how God tells us that that is not the way that he sees us. He sees us very differently than the box that we feel others have put around us or that we've confined ourselves to. And that how God not only sees us differently, but how he calls us as a church to help other people see themselves differently as well. Too often, I think we see ourselves as the elementary school kid who gets picked last rather than a loved, a beloved son and daughter of God with innate value that he created in us to discover and to live out. And we as a church believe that one of our responsibilities, one of our core values, one of our behaviors as we carry out God's mission One of our unique distinctives is to help people realize the potential that God has put inside each and every one of us, our value as a person in God's eyes. And that's the bigger picture that we're looking at in this series as we look at our values, uh, as we address that, this question of who are we as a church family. So we're going to look at one of our core values every week. Last week, we talked about how it's a significant value here at Daybreak that we take leaps of faith that it's important for us to step out at times where we're fully trusting God, not trusting in ourselves, but fully able to trust God that that's important. This week we're talking about people being developed here and how important people development is. We're going to answer one of these questions each week about who are we as a church family? What has God uniquely called us to here at Daybreak? So this morning we're going to be looking at Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 to 22. And if you haven't opened your Bibles yet, you can open your Bibles to Matthew 4, 18. Uh, you can pull out your outline. That'll help you follow along. If you have a Bible, or Bible app that you use, uh, feel free to pull that out as well. Matthew 4, 18 to 22. And we're going to dig into the second core value that we say this way at Daybreak. We say, people are developed here. This is a place where people are developed. And we're going to see why we believe that at Daybreak, God has called us to be people developers. And we're going to jump right in this morning. This is the first point that we're going to see in Scripture this morning. We are people developers because, number one, Jesus sees the potential in all of us to change the world. Jesus sees the potential in you and me and in everyone that he created in order to change the world and have impact on the world that they live in. I'm going to start with Matthew 4, verse 18. You can follow along. It says this, One day, as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water, for they fished for a living I want to pause here for just a minute. I want to talk about Simon and Andrew. At this point, uh, he's Simon, which um, Matthew says also called Peter. But actually, he wasn't renamed Peter at this point. Jesus gives him that name. says you'll be called Rock later on. That's part of Peter's development. At this point, he's Simon and Andrew. And they're fishing. Now, if you look at these two guys, these are the, the guys that Jesus chooses first. He's the first, these are the first two guys that Jesus chooses to be a part of his disciples, you know, his group of disciples. He picks these two guys first. And at face value, when you look at at Simon, and you look at Andrew, there's nothing necessarily special about these guys. The Bible just says that they're fishermen who, when meeting uh, Jesus, um, at this point, they're doing what they do to earn a living. They're casting their nets into the lake hoping to catch fish. And if you, some of you say, the Bible says it's the Sea of Galilee. This is true. If you've been to Israel, uh, this sea has two names. It's in Galilee, it's the centerpiece of Galilee, about 17 miles uh, long. It uh, varies in, in its width, but it's, uh, it's known as the Sea of Galilee. It's also known as Lake Gennesaret. And it really is, it's a big lake, but uh, it, because of where it sits in this valley with mountains surrounding it on every side, uh, the winds come through there in such a way that it, was, it acted as, as if it was an ocean. When they would have storms and the water would get stirred up. As a matter of fact, when we read in scripture about uh, you know, the disciples being out in the boat and a storm came up, it was like an ocean or it functioned like an ocean there was, uh, because of the bowl that it sits in. So put yourself in the disciples' shoes for a minute. Fishing is really, really hard work. So here are these guys, they're casting their heavy nets, and um, you know, when we think of fishing, sometimes we think of dropping a line in the water, and a relaxing afternoon, that kind of thing. For these guys, they, they were fishing with nets. So uh, pretty much what you would do is you would take these, these massive nets that uh, you always had to work hard to make sure they weren't tangled, and they, they would make sure that they would run and, and do a big loop with the nets, and then they would go through the hard process of pulling in those nets, hoping that the nets would would be full of fish but the work of pulling in those nets into the boat and uh, it said that this could take anywhere from a half an hour process uh, to maybe as long as an hour depending on what the cast would be so this is how these guys would spend their day or sometimes uh, their nights their evenings because fishing is better at nights or early mornings and so they would be out on the lake hour after hour repeating this process working hard straining as they did this so they're casting their nets, uh, they're, they're doing what they do to earn a living, and if you put themselves in, in their shoes, uh, the scripture said uh, that they were out all night and they hadn't, they hadn't caught anything, we'll talk about that a little bit more in a minute, but this local rabbi approaches them, Jesus approaches them, and you can imagine in the middle of their work day what they're thinking as Jesus approaches them. And then from Jesus' perspective, this begs this question, what in the world did Jesus see in these two guys? What did he see in these two guys? He's looking for disciples, right? He's looking for the people that are going to walk with him in his earthly ministry, for the people who are going to follow him, the people who are going to learn from him, who are going to emulate him, want to become like him, people who are going to teach alongside of him, people who are going to do miracles in his name. And then, this is the big thing, after Jesus, he's looking ahead as he's picking these disciples, and he's thinking, and after I'm gone... These are gonna have to be the people who are gonna launch the church and lead God's mission here on earth. And the first two people that Jesus recruits are fishermen. The first two people that Jesus wants on his team are kind of blue collar fishermen guys. Now. Wouldn't it have made more sense knowing what we know about what Jesus is going to ask the disciples to do, knowing the job that's ahead of them? I mean, if you're thinking about a job description for picking these guys or the hiring of the disciples, so to speak, in today's world, what would we do? Well, we would look at all this list of qualifications and we might think something like this. We might think, well, here's here's who we would think would be qualified. Maybe some young up-and-coming leaders, right? Someone who's on a young who's who's list because this is going to be leading a big movement. People are going to have to follow these guys. Uh, Maybe Jesus would look for some young Padawans from the Jewish Jedi Temple, younglings who, who were studying and memorizing the Word of God, you know, and who knew the ways of, of the, the Spirit. Some of you Star Wars fans are following me, others aren't, that's okay. But when you look at all the facts and what Jesus wanted to do, it doesn't add up that Jesus would have looked around at all the available prospects and that he would have said, hey, first stop, I got to go get Simon and Andrew, first guys I want on the team. They're the first ones I want. In reality, these two would be the two kids on the discipleship playground hoping that they weren't the last ones picked as far as the ways most people would measure them. This is why Jesus proves over and over again that his ways aren't like our ways and his thoughts aren't like our thoughts. Because while we would have been looking for some super smart, educated person with a background in leadership development and team building and someone who knew how to inspire and lead a movement, we would have had a long list of qualifications and would have wanted to see that experience in someone before they would have even been considered for the role. Jesus walks up to two fishermen and he sees the potential that they have inside of them and he decides that he's going to help them unlock it because he knows that they're about to do great things for his kingdom. And he does it by meeting them exactly where they are, right on their turf. And this is one of the things that I love about as we look at the person of Jesus and the way he interacted with people and the way he interacts with us because he's unchanging. So it's not just that he talked to people in the Bible this way. This is the way he interacts with you and I today. He meets us right where we are, and he gives us this invitation. He says, come as you are, but don't stay that way. I meet you right where you are. You don't have to be ashamed. You don't have to hide anything. You don't have to feel unworthy. I'm coming to you right where you are, but I'm inviting you to not stay there. I'm inviting you to come with me. Jesus saw something in Peter and in Andrew. And Luke's recording of these events, if you cross-reference this in Luke chapter 5, which you don't have to turn there, but let me tell you a few details that Luke fills in that help us paint the picture of what happened in this moment a little more clearly. Luke 5 says that Peter and Andrew had heard Jesus preaching, but they went back to their job. They had heard him speaking. I'm guessing the day before, because this was kind of a nighttime event that, that we looked at. They had fished all, all night, and this was the morning after. So they had just heard Jesus speaking, and they had just had maybe a, a first encounter with, with hearing this great rabbi and this great teacher and then they went back to their job, and they had fished all night long, and they had caught nothing. So the place where they are, where Jesus meets them, is probably a place where they're a little bit frustrated and a little bit discouraged. Have you ever put in a long day at work and felt like you got nothing accomplished? Some of you are like, those are my best days. <laughs> Others of you, if you're a little more vested in what you do, might be a little discouraged at the end of a day like that. I asked my son who fishes regularly, He's, he loves to fish. Um, he can spend a lot of time on the water and feel great about that. I said, Hey, how do you feel at the end of a day when you don't catch anything? And he said, Well, to be honest, when I'm out fishing, that's my happy place. So I don't even think, I'm just enjoying being out there. He said, But if I've not caught anything and I decide this is my last cast, I'm only thrown out one more time and I realize I haven't caught anything today, he said, Then I get a little discouraged and feel a little defeated or feel like. Man, I've been fishing for a long time. Did I not do something right today? Did I not use the right bait? Did I not, like, and, and begins to feel a little bit defeated. And I imagine if you're Peter, or if you're Simon, and you're Andrew at this point, and you had spent all night catching, this was your career, this is what you did, and you had caught nothing, that this is the place where Jesus met them, where Jesus came to them, just one like, look, like, I don't know, we feel like the, the deck is stacked against us. We, we couldn't do, couldn't provide anything, couldn't earn a living today. And then Jesus comes up to them, this teacher that they had heard speak. And he says, hey, guys, uh, I know you're out all night, but why don't you throw your net on the other side? Cast your net on the other side of the boat. Can you imagine what they must have been thinking? But they did it. They did it. And when they did the Bible says they caught so many fish that the boat's nearly sunk. And in that moment, what we see is this. We see what Jesus saw in these two guys, in these two men. Jesus saw that if they tapped into what he was offering them, that they could do extraordinary things. Not because of who they were, but because of who he was and what he wanted to do in and through them. And Peter sees it too, because in, Matthew, in Luke chapter 5, Peter's response is this. Peter speaks for Andrew, or Simon does. He says, oh Lord, please leave me, I'm such a sinful man. He comes to this realization of, of what Jesus is trying to, to do in him, and he doesn't feel worthy enough to be able to accept it so he just confesses sin to Jesus. Says, Jesus, I'm, I'm not worthy of this. Like we just sang a few minutes ago, the reckless love of God. I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it. That's what Peter was feeling in that moment. Not me, Lord. And the rest is history. If you read the New Testament, you know that these what these men went out and did from that point on, and it was only possible. Because Jesus didn't see them the way the world saw them. He didn't put them in that box. He didn't see them in the way that they saw themselves. Jesus unlocked their potential. He lifted the lid. Maybe this morning you feel limited by your education or by your occupation or by your faults or by your past or by your, and the list goes on and on and on. And you don't see that you have anything on your resume that makes you fit to be valuable, that makes you fit to have purpose in life and in God's kingdom and in things that are important. Maybe that's the way you see yourself. This is the way that that we look at people. Think about it in your life. How many of you have ever believed a lie that someone told you about you, an insult or a rejection, and you took it to heart and it haunted you for the rest of your lives? It might still even be haunting you this morning. This thing that someone told you years ago about you and you knew it wasn't true but over time you just believed it and you've lived it out how many of us have looked in the mirror and thought that there's no way that we're good enough there's no way that anyone could love us or should love us let alone God love us and see value in us All of us have something that we can point to and say, this is the limitation. This is what is keeping me inside of my box. This is what is keeping me from fulfilling my full potential and truly believing that you have the value that God says you have. From truly being able to see yourselves the way that God sees you. I was thinking about two conversations that I had with people recently. Two people who limited their potential because of how they saw themselves. One was with uh, a guy who played um, volleyball for Messiah this year. I asked him if I could tell his story without using his name. He said, sure. So he was, I asked him how his season went, because if you don't know this, Messiah never had an NCAA volley, men's volleyball team until this past year. Prior to that, they only had a club team. So this year, they moved up, and, and they, they had an, an official NCAA Division III volleyball team. So this guy had played on their club team the year before, and now had, because of that, the club team kind of graduated into being the team, and they brought some other guys on, and this was their first season. They did okay. So I asked him how he felt about his year, and he said, you know, to be honest, it was a great year, but he said he wrestled with something all year long, and he said, would I have had what it takes to make an NCAA volleyball team if it wouldn't have been for the way things came about at Messiah? If if I wouldn't have just graduated from the club team into the program, would I have even had what it takes to make it at another school? Was I not good enough? Did I not deserve to be on this team? Did I just kind of luck my way into it? And he said, I wrestled with that throughout the year. What is my worth and my value on this team? Am I really, am I really good enough to be a contributor, to, to make a college volleyball team and, make it, and, and be a contributor in that way? And he said he's learning and growing through that experience, but he's really wrestling with it. And I talked with another guy who has seen his, his whole life socially, he's always struggled, and he's seen his whole life as, when I come into a conversation with people, what do I bring to the conversation that has any value? And he feels like he measures himself in every circle that he's in to determine, is there any value in this circle that I bring? And if I feel like I have nothing to offer here, then I declare my worth is lower and I can't, I'm not even really fit to be with those people because I don't bring anything worthwhile. Can you imagine every conversation you've had with people being kind of centered in that, that, that thinking? Some of you can because it's your struggle and you know it's true. You have a box you've put yourself in. You've limited yourself and your potential. Because at some point, you chose to believe that these were the boundaries of your potential, of who you could be, and how God was going to use you. You know, I'm sure that many of you have felt limitations like that. Some of you are still experiencing them now, but this is the amazing news this morning. God doesn't see you through those limitations. He doesn't see you that way. He sees you through the lenses of what He could do in and through your life, he sees you with the potential that he created you with, and he believes in you. And right now, God wants each of us to know that he can heal that hurt, that insecurity, that thing that we are struggling with, and he can give us a new identity. But in order for us to fully understand a new identity, we have to be willing and able to let God speak to us about who we are as his beloved sons and daughters. We have to be able to be willing to allow his love and his grace to flow and cover us and let us know that we do have value and worth. You know, the world told Peter and Andrew that they were just fishermen. They were just fishermen. Throwing a net into the water and pulling it out full of fish was the most value that they thought that they could offer to the world. Jesus saw so much more in them. And he knew that they were exactly where they needed to be in order to be developed and shaped in the way that God had intended for them to be. And that's why Jesus called to come as you are, but not to stay that way is part of our anthem here at Daybreak. It's one of our values. People are developed here. God has no intention of us limiting people and putting them in boxes. God has no intention of you living your life in a way that says, I can't. But God says, when I step in, I can do a work in you that will blow you away. We want that to be something that's experienced by people who are a part of our church family, by people who are a part of our community, by people that, who are a part of our world to allow God to do that work in them because we believe that God's power can release anyone's potential to change the world. We believe that. We believe that God's power at work in any one of us can release our potential to be used by God in ways that can be transformational in the lives of other people. We'll talk about that in just a minute. And that's why we invest in people at Daybreak, because we believe that God's power is able to do that in us. And too often we have this limited view of our potential, and we ask God to try to fit inside of whatever box we've limited ourselves to. We say, okay, God, these are my limitations, so God, would you come into this box, and would you just kind of do this little, tiny little thing that I'm inviting you to be a part of inside of this box, when in fact God is inviting us to break out of that box, to partner with him, and see what incredible things he wants to do in us that are outside of what we've limited ourselves or anyone else has limited us to. I don't know if anyone has ever spoke a word of encouragement to you, and it just meant so much. In the same way that we carry some of those lies with us or some of those things that aren't true, that someone speaks over us in a negative way, we also carry words of encouragement. And we also carry words of blessing. And we can carry them with us for a long time, and they can help shape who we are as well. Listen, this morning, God has a word of encouragement and blessing for you. But you have to position yourself that you're able to hear it and believe it. That he sees more in you than you see in yourself or that you've limited yourself to. You have to be in a position though where God can speak that to you and you can hear it and receive it and believe it and accept it and start living to a different potential than what you've you've lived in under the lies that you've believed. You know, Peter and Andrew didn't think of themselves as special. And maybe this morning, you don't see yourself as special in any way. They were just fishermen. That was what defined them. Maybe you do look at your past and you look at what you've done. Maybe you feel like there's no way because of where you've come from that you can make a contribution. Maybe you don't believe, maybe you're experiencing guilt and shame and you don't believe because of what you've done in the past that the grace of Jesus is enough to help you realize God's potential in your life for you personally. Well, here's the good news. Both of those things are not true. Both of those things are lies. Believing that we aren't special, that we're not designed uniquely by God, or believing that what we've done is so bad or our past is so bad that God couldn't possibly use us, both of those things are lies. Because what Jesus has done on our behalf, the Bible tells us his grace is sufficient. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He gave everything so that we could experience abundance. It's pretty awesome. And when we realize that, and we believe that Jesus knows us fully, he sees us, he gets us, but he's designed us in spite of ourselves to fulfill a greater purpose than we could ever imagine on our own, when God does a work in us and he transforms us and then he begins to do a work through us. When we get a hold of that, it's amazing to see what God can do. So along with Jesus this morning, I want to invite you to come as you are, but don't stay that way. And this, uh, the next reason that we're people developers is what we see in the passage next. And that's point two, that Jesus invites us to follow him for our own development. And Jesus invites you and I to follow him for our own development. Let's look at Jesus' invite to these fishermen. In verse 19, it says that Jesus called out to them, come follow me. Come follow me. Simple invitation. Now, when Jesus approached Peter and Andrew and he said, come follow me, they recognized it for what it was. In that day, if there were teachers or rabbis, rabbis would often take people under their wings and would kind of mentor them. They would be their followers. They would learn from them. They would become like them. So here was the interesting thing about the approach with Simon and with Andrew in that time is that most of the time, if you wanted to follow a rabbi, you would go to a rabbi and you would say, I'm, I, I love your teaching. I'm interested in learning from you. Will you receive me as a student of yours? And then that rabbi would make a choice to say, yes, you can come and follow me. And it would be for a period of time that you would choose to come and follow that rabbi. In this case, Jesus approached Peter and Andrew and it was such a great privilege for them to know that a great teacher a great rabbi who they had just heard speak probably to hundreds if not thousands powerfully was coming to them and saying i want you to be one of my followers powerful i want you to think about this this morning because this is the same invitation that god gives to each one of us jesus lord and savior comes to you and he comes to me and he says hey I want to extend this invitation to follow me. Will you come and follow me? So what does it mean to be a follower? Well, in those days when a rabbi called you to follow him, this was a life-changing experience, okay? A follower was a student. A follower was to emulate his teacher. A follower was to be receptive and open to changing their life, to be open to a new way of thinking, a new way of doing life. A new way of living life. The Greek word used for follower here means to come after. It's an active term of following after. It's the one who's following, pursuing the rabbi in this case. It's something that you have to pursue. And this was Jesus' call to these ordinary guys. And it's Jesus' call to us. Follow me. Pursue me. Learn from me. Emulate me. Let me help you think and live your life differently. We're people developers at Daybreak because we believe that we're called by Jesus to follow him. We're all honest and have a reality check about the fact that we're just ordinary people called by Jesus who have the potential when we're called by him to make an extraordinary impact on the world that we live in because of the change that he's done in us. I don't know um, where if you've ever experienced this, but being teachable if you ever put a resume together or you're looking to get a job, being teachable is a highly valued character quality in today's world, right? Whether it's in, a, uh, in school or in sports or in a job, if you can tell somebody and you can show them that you're hungry and you're teachable, uh, that's a really good thing. People want to know if you're a teachable person who wants to be developed and wants to grow. But I have to be honest with you, Sometimes it's easy to write that about yourself on a resume or as you're trying to apply for something or get into, onto a team or into a program, but it's a lot harder to live out, isn't it? Because the reality is being teachable is hard. You have to humble yourself. You have to let somebody else who maybe has ex- more experience than you do be able to give you some direction. You have to admit that you don't know everything. That's hard, isn't it? You have to be willing to let other people speak into your life. You have to be willing then, once that happens, to change and to make adjustments for your own betterment. Jesus wants us to do the same thing. He calls us to be teachable. He says, "Can you?" Jesus is asking this question, are you willing to be teachable as a follower of mine? If you made this decision to follow Jesus, if you've decided to put your faith and your trust in him, you've made the decision to be his disciple. If you've done that, then you know that Jesus is doing this work. You've given him permission to do a work of transformation in you. And you've given him permission to develop you. So this is what I want to ask you this morning. If you claim to be a Christ follower, if you say, I'm in, I want to follow Jesus. Right now, have you put yourself in places where you can be developed by Jesus? Have you put yourself in, in places where you're teachable by Jesus, allowing him to to help you follow him and pursue him in even greater ways with this desire to become like him. If you're a follower of Jesus, is your ultimate desire to emulate your teacher? I want you to sit with that for a minute this morning. You know, in our church, we desire to provide these environments, these life-changing environments where people can encounter Jesus and where they can grow and become more like him. And we say it this way, we encourage people to celebrate and connect and contribute. We talk about celebrating God's grace here at our weekend services where we want people to come and we want people to experience God's presence and his power in worship. And we want, as we're shoulder to shoulder together in worship, we want to be able to experience the fullness of God and recognize that God is who he says he is. And that we also then pray that that weekend worship experience would drive you into daily time of worship where you recognize that God is your leader and forgiver and he's in charge all throughout your week. We also encourage people to connect with God's family, basically doing life with your church family. And we believe that when you find a small group with people who are pursuing a deep and meaningful relationship with Jesus, it changes you because then you're in the company of other people who are following, who are pursuing Jesus in the same way that you are. We also believe it's important that you contribute to God's work. And our big question is this, where is God working and how can we join him in his work? And I know for many of you, when you've found that place, that sweet spot in ministry, where you know how God has wired you and designed you and built you, and you're able to do that for God's kingdom, it brings tremendous growth in your relationship with the Lord as you begin to live out his purpose in your life. Now, As a pastor, I've served in a lot of different capacities in a lot of different areas of ministry. And something I've had to learn that's really, really important is this. And that's that the ministries that take time to develop the people who are in those ministries end up being much healthier than the ones that simply recruit to fill a need. Have you ever been a part of an organization where you filled a slot in order to to meet a need. You've done that, right? And they basically tell you, anybody who can fog a mirror, you know, if, if there's blood running through your veins, we don't care. We just need you to come and put your warm body right in this spot. There's not a whole lot of meaning to that, right? It doesn't bring a lot of fulfillment to your life when you know, basically, I'm just keeping, I've got my thumb in the dam here. I'm just keeping this thing from falling apart. Like, that's all I do. Like, anybody could do this thing. I'm doing it now, but someone could step in and fill the hole for me. It just doesn't mean a whole lot. I was recently talking to friends who used to attend our church, but they moved away. And uh, we were talking about what they love about the church that they're attending now. And they said, It's a great church. And as we talked about it for a little while, they said this They said, I love it. It's a good church, but there's something I miss about Daybreak. And they said, The church that we're in right now definitely recruits people to do ministry, but doesn't think about how they can invest in those people or develop them as they're a part of the ministry. He said, I love being at Daybreak because I felt like Daybreak didn't use people to do ministry. They used ministry to develop people. That was such a powerful statement. And I thought, thank you, God, for allowing us to be a part of a church family that puts a premium on people's growth and people's development. It's kind of part of our DNA as a church family. You know, in this season of my life, I love being developed. I just feel like I'm in a season where I'm looking for people to mentor me, to encourage me, to invest in me. As a matter of fact, there are people sitting here this morning who are taking notes and listening to the sermon because I've asked them to help me become a better communicator. And so they're here helping me this morning and they'll communicate with me later on about it. I'm very grateful for that. And I think if I'm honest with you, the older I get, maybe uh, my pride diminishes a bit and I'm able to take constructive criticism better just not defensive anymore. Like, oh, if I can be better, I want to be better. I want to be better for for God's kingdom. But it also comes down to a heart where I'm like, you know what, Lord? I want people to invest in me. I want to be developed. I want to grow. I want to become more like you, Lord, in in the things that I do with my life. So Jesus invites us to follow him So that we can continue to be developed. He says, Come and follow me. But we're gonna see that there's a flip side of this invitation. That's the last thing that we're gonna look at this morning. We are people developers because Jesus invites us to join him in his mission to develop others. Jesus invites us to join him in his mission to develop others. So Jesus says in Matthew 4 19, he says, Come and follow me. And then he says this, And I will show you how to fish for people. And I will show you, fishermen, how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once, and they followed him. You know, after the disciples had followed Jesus for some time, they discovered the same thing that you and I discovered, and that what Jesus is really looking for is to build a relationship with us, a relationship that transforms us and changes us and encourages us and helps us fulfill our purpose. That's Jesus' heart desire. And I hope if you're here this morning that that's part of your experience as a Christ follower too, that, you know, I'm on the journey, but I'm building this relationship with Jesus. I'm learning how to trust him more and more. Every, every day, every week, every month, every year with my life as I walk it out with him. But we can't forget that there's a second part of this desire to follow Jesus that Jesus is pretty clear about. And it's this, he says, come and follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. Now, some people think that this is all about evangelism and how to, we're going to go out there, and we're going to catch people and we're going to reel them in. And that's what Jesus is saying. I believe it's far deeper than this. Do you know what I believe that Jesus is saying here? I believe he's basically saying, I want to take that thing that you're good at. I want to take that thing that you're gifted in. I want to take the experiences that you've had in your life, both good and bad, and I want to use it powerfully to develop and invest in other people. For these disciples, Jesus was going to repurpose their fishing, okay? He was going to give new purpose to the thing that they were good at. He was going to expand the box of their value by saying, oh, you thought you were limited to being a fisherman, Now I'm going to take this thing that you know how to do well, and I'm going to repurpose it in a bigger way for my kingdom. What does Jesus want to repurpose in your life right now? And We believe that the change that Jesus makes in us isn't just for our own sake. He wants us to share that gift with others. God does this work in us for the sake of others so that we can pour it out and invest in others as well. And I know there are some of you here, you've expressed it many times over the course of this summer. God's been tugging on your heart. You know that you have these giftings or you've experienced things. Maybe they were hurts in your life or pains in your life or different things that you struggled through. And and now you know that they could really bless others if you decided to respond to the second half of Jesus' call. And that's to take what you've been given and to develop others, to pour into others. Maybe you've had a call from God to do something, but you never really acted on it A call not only to follow Jesus, but then to be a part of something that's redemptive and transformative in the life of somebody else. Because when that happens, when you see life change happen through you in the life of someone else, then you know it's a God thing, right? (laughs) Because you're like, oh my word, God took that miserable, messed up thing in my life and he actually used it to be a blessing to somebody else or to help somebody else. He used my experience. Or God took this little act of service that I had, this little gift, and when I surrendered, surrendered it to him, he used it in this major way that I never would have dreamed he could have used it, that's when you know it's God. We want to develop you and allow you to experience a life-changing journey with Jesus that will help you discover God's power in your life in a way that not only transforms you, but it transforms others as well. So I want to invite you to something this year. I just want to invite you to join us as we follow Jesus in a life that isn't centered on you. Sometimes we miss out. On God's best because in our human nature, we keep bringing life back to us. And God says, I want you to join me in following me so that life can be bigger than you. And when life gets bigger than you, you find purpose and meaning and depth in ways you never experienced before because it doesn't all circle back to how did that benefit me? You see God at work blessing and transforming and changing others by your, through your surrendered life. It's so powerful a life that uses your gifts and your experiences to pour into the life of someone else. And I just want to encourage you, there's a couple inserts in your worship guide today. One is about Sunday serve, all kinds of different ways that you can pour into the life of somebody else through service. The other one is uh, our community scoop with all of the offerings this year that are going to happen that are for our church family, but also opened up to our community, all kinds of different ways that you can come and be poured into, or that you can come and serve and pour into others. I want to encourage you to look at those things today, but let me give you a couple ideas of what this could be in your life. Maybe God is calling you to develop others through joining our kids' ministry team, and you're going to pour into the next generation in some way. Maybe God's calling you to to, to develop others through joining our student ministry team, and you're going to be the listening ear for teenagers who are going through all kinds of things that they need somebody to talk to. Maybe God is calling you to step up an apprentice as a small group leader. Maybe you've been in a small group for a long time, and you're kind of bored with small group, and maybe God's saying, hey, why don't you lead one? Why don't you start a new one? Why don't you take a step of faith? Maybe God is calling you to help someone else through the pain and healing that you've experienced. Maybe through divorce care or grief share or financial struggles or anxiety and depression or addiction, something that you've experienced that you can reach back and say, you know what, I can help someone else take a next step. Maybe God is just calling you to serve a cup of coffee to give someone a smile or a hug and greet them when they come into our, one of our community ministries or when they come into church on Sunday morning. Maybe God's calling you to mentor someone or to visit someone who's sick or shut in. Maybe God's calling you to invest in others through prayer, through joining a prayer team and saying, you know what, I'm gonna take your need before the Father and that's a way that you can help bless and develop and invest in someone else. Maybe God's calling you to invest in our facilities or in our grounds so that other people can come here and they can experience God's presence and his, and his power in a place that they're able to do that, in a welcoming place. Maybe God is calling you to develop others through leading worship or playing an instrument or through being a part of our tech team. It's really endless what God could be calling you to do to pour into the life of someone else. What gift, what experience, what pain will you allow God to use to invest in and develop someone else? Jesus says, come as you are, but don't stay that way. Let's agree to let God's power change us so that other people can be changed too. I wanna encourage you this morning. God is at work in our church family and I know he's speaking in your life because I know he's speaking into mine and I hear it every week as to how people are wanting to take next steps in following Jesus. I want you to hear the end of this story this morning because it's so encouraging. Look at verse 21. This is the best part of the story. Once Jesus had two followers, he wasn't done. In verse 21, it says, A little further up the shore, he saw two other brothers, James and John, sitting in a boat with their father, Zebedee, repairing their nets. And he called them to come to four fishermen. Now, the start of the dream team. Jesus is still looking for ordinary people whose hearts are receptive to God's power. Jesus is still looking for you and I to say, yes, I'm ready to follow you. He's not done. And neither are we as a church, because at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus gives this command to his disciples and to all of us as his church. In Matthew 28 19 and 20, he says, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all of the commands I have given you, and be sure of this I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus is saying, I'm going to be with you. Go on this mission to do what I did, make disciples develop people, help people discover and deepen a life-changing journey with me. This is what Jesus is asking of you and I as we follow him. This morning, if God is speaking to you specifically, if he's saying to you, I want you to see me the way that I see you, I want you to see you the way that I see you. If he's saying to you, look, I want you to follow me. I want you to learn how to be transformed by me. Maybe you just claim to be a Christian, but you're not really walking with me. You're not being transformed. You're not becoming like me. Jesus is saying, would you really follow me this morning? And maybe you've been following Jesus and Jesus is tapping you on the shoulder and saying, hey, I want to take that thing that I've gifted you with, that thing that has been poured into you, and I want you to start to bless others. This is your time. Would you bow your heads with me? As we get ready to pray this morning, I want to think about how God might be speaking to you this morning. And maybe this morning your eyes were open to the reality that you are so much more valuable to Jesus and his kingdom than you have ever given yourself credit for. And if that's where you are this morning and you've seen and experienced God's love in a new light for the first time, I wanna encourage you to continue to explore that truth. But this morning, God wants to give you a new identity as his beloved son or daughter or daughter. He wants to pour out his love over you and assure you that you were made for a powerful purpose, that he sees the potential in you to change the world. Just take a moment this morning and thank God for his grace and his forgiveness and commit to get on that journey of following Jesus. Maybe this morning you want to say to Jesus, Jesus, I am ready to be developed. I'm ready to follow you. I'm ready to put myself in environments where I can learn how to be your follower, learn how to be your disciple. God, would you help me to to explore those opportunities. Maybe it's through a small group or through an opportunity to serve or through a one-on-one relationship. But God, would you help me to begin to seek you? Maybe this morning your prayer response is this, Jesus, I'm ready to develop others. I feel like so much has been poured into me and I know that I at least have enough to reach back and help someone else take a step forward. God, thank you for calling me to disciple or invest in someone else. And this is where I am right now. And I'm excited to be obedient to you, God, and step out and receive that call. And I'm excited to see how you're going to use me to invest in the lives of others. Jesus, we're people developers because you developed us. We believe in your power to transform people's lives because you transformed ours. Thank you, Jesus, for inviting us to life change as well. Right here, right now, we say yes to the invitation to follow you. We say yes to the invitation to develop others. Thanks for seeing more in us than we could ever see in ourselves. And thanks for everything you've done for us to make all this possible. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. And everyone said, amen.